0: Hey, everybody, this is Ruben, and you're listening to Amazing Stories. J. Edgar Hoover, private and confidential, with William Hootkins as J. Edgar Hoover and David Soule as Clyde Tolson.
1: They uh, buried him today. I was there. Of course I was there. They took me in a wheelchair. (laughs) I guess he would have laughed at that. It was a hell of a day. A bad day. Overcast. Grey. Well, he wouldn't have known he was inside the casket. We drove through the old neighborhood. How well, it wasn't that way anymore. He wouldn't have recognized much of it. Pulled down, rebuilt. It's the kind of area they ask you to steer clear of nowadays. I guess, uh, in the end, well, I I, I recall his mother complaining about the help, the lack of help. This must have been before the war. Talking about the way they lived down there in Darktown. Couldn't get the help. Not honest help. Only could bake a cake. Oh, she used to say Edgar does love his cake, and I used to say his tailor doesn't. And he would look at me in that, in that way, Um, I get lost, things come and go, all that time, all those things. Um, uh, She used to complain about the help, that's it. Couldn't hardly get it, couldn't keep it when you did. Well if, if she was around now, she'd see the help has moved right in. Seward Square, the old neighborhood. At the cemetery, there were these black kids climbing the fence, looking. They say, "What? Who that man they buried in that big hole?" Well, I don't know. I don't know how they talk anymore. I. I don't listen to them. Why should I? I'm old. It's all over for me. They're they're writing my letter of resignation right now. Someone will sign it with my name, someone will send it, someone will get it and open it and read it and and I'll be retired. They don't want to bother with me anymore. They gave me the flag. They, They give the widow the flag. Oh Jesus, there was no one else to give it to they said, they didn't want to bother with me, innuendo, gossip, talk, so I have to remember it's important that I do because I have some things still to finish things that must be done. I, I, I just can't always remember what it is I have to do. The, the coffin was lying in state at the Capitol, honor guard of Marines and visitors. It was like any small town viewing, I, I guess, only Washington isn't a small town anymore. Well, 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 it's a small town in, in many ways, if you, if you know what I mean, but, but there wasn't any viewing. Well, we decided, Miss Gandy and I, not to let them see him now. Not as he is now, because this was not, this was not what he was. The casket was closed. I chose the suit, and the tie, and the handkerchief for the breast pocket, matching, of course, always, There was a story going around the bureau about us <laughs> that we were talking, me and Speed, about the end and, and both of us being careful with money. We were working out the cost of a casket. And he says, Clyde, when I go, you just hire that casket because I won't be needing it for more than three days. <laughs> well, that's the story. That's what they, they told each other after he died. I have a story, too. It's a true story. At least it's a story about the truth. Though maybe that isn't the same thing at all. Some things I... I have to remember. May, April 1928, Washington, I just joined the agency and someone said, the director wants to see you.
0: Come in. Sit down, Mr. Tolson. Or should I say uh, Agent Tolson? Uh, Agent, sir. I suppose that would be correct. I've heard of you around. You were over at the War Department working for Dwight Davis, a confidential secretary?
1: Yes, that's correct, Mr. Hoover.
0: You've come a long way in a short time, Agent
1: Tolson. Are you ambitious? Well, I, uh, I, I could hardly deny that, sir. If you've seen my application form to join the Bureau...
0: I have to admit I was intrigued. Reason for applying to join the Bureau. I wish to open a law office and hope to gain some experience before doing so. You got your law degree? Uh, Yes, sir. Uh, Last year. Working
1: nights. As you can see, I was admitted to the D.C. bar. Uh, As
0: this February. You didn't waste any time in applying. I don't believe in wasting time, sir. I was also impressed that despite your experience, you chose to come in at entry level. You must be confident that you can offer
1: us... Hard work? experience in administration. And you feel this will... Well, I've heard uh, what you're trying to do with the Bureau, sir.
0: Oh. Oh, have you? And what am I trying to do with the Bureau?
1: Turn it into the most efficient crime-fighting organization in this country.
0: Is that so?
1: Yes. Oh, well, I I believe it is,
0: sir. Thank you, Agent Tolson, for your time. Good day.
1: Oh, thank you, sir.
0: Would you say that a vital part of any successful organization is a well-defined aim? I beg your pardon, sir? And the ability to pursue that aim without being sidetracked by internal dissension or external sniping?
1: Well, I would say that loyalty is a vital component, if that's
0: what you mean. Loyalty to the organization? Yes, sir.
1: To the organization.
0: Very well. Miss Gandhi will see you out. I will see you... Again, no doubt.
1: Thank you, sir. Uh, how did he look then? Well, pretty much the same as he looked most of his life. Oh, he, uh, he put on a bit of extra weight, but well, he came in at about 185 and stocky to boot. He used to be slim as a young man, but when we met, he'd filled out that little bit. Things weren't quite so rushed at that time. He had more time. Five foot ten, that's what he was in his socks. He didn't like it. Somehow he had this idea that the G-man should be six foot plus. (laughs) Don't ask me where he got that idea from. Wanted to be taller. He wasn't short, for God's sake. Um, Snappy dresser. That's the word they used to use back then. Snappy dresser. I guess they still use it. He, he liked to wear white suits. Light suits later, but uh, white then. Light blue ties and always a matching silk handkerchief in the breast pocket. Eleanor blue. They even have that color now. <laughs> they seem to change the colors like they change everything else. The eyes. Even then, they were the power of the man. It's hard to explain about power, about what it does to a man, what it gives to him. Then it was just starting. Like the, uh, like the tang you get that first day on vacation. When I, what I saw that first day in his office, what I recognized was something in the process of becoming... Does that make any sense at all? I was seeing power beginning to crystallize around the man. I, I, was, I was fascinated. It's almost ridiculous to say that I was awed. No man should ever be awed by any other, and yet I was. And, and, and I wanted to be part of this thing, this, this Federal Bureau of Investigation that he was also.
0: Oh, uh, you know, uh, Agent Tolson.
1: Oh, Mr. Hoover, sir.
0: When I was a boy, I used to be almost as fast as you are. My <laughs> friends started to call me Speed. My <laughs> friends still do. And what do they call you, Agent Tolson? Well, most times Clyde. So how was Boston? I learned a lot, that's for sure. Should we walk? It's a fine day. And I know an ice cream parlor I used to take my niece to. That's uh, if you like ice cream. Oh, yes, I do. Very
1: much. Well, it's just sort of strange thinking that... uh, Well, I'm thinking of eating ice cream with the director of the Federal Bureau of Investigation.
0: (laughs) I like ice cream. You like ice cream. Mm. Tell me about Boston.
1: It's a fine city. The justice building, a a, a napkin. Mm, Thank you. Well, the fact is that there's a certain amount of ill feeling in that office. And I'd be lying to you if I said it were not so. Well, it's important that I know these things. The Bureau is going through
0: many changes. The old corrupt days are gone. I'm fighting a war, a war, to, to bring scientific criminology into the center of our work. Yeah, I guess it's only natural that, the,
1: that there will be those who, who can't keep up mm-hmm. or who don't wish to be part of the future. Yes, yeah, so go on. Well, sir, they say that since you took full charge in 1924, 75% of all instructions have been repressive and and directed against personnel rather than against the criminal. The feeling is uh, that the bureaucracy, the training, the discipline, and internal investigations have outweighed the true purpose of the Bureau, to fight crime. And what do you think, mister? I I think... uh, I I think this black cherry ice cream is... It's very good. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: better than the blueberry? Well, I haven't tasted that one yet. <laughs> Since we both work for the foremost investigative agency in the nation, we had better find out here. Try a spoon of this.
1: Mmm, mm. that's good. Not yeah. your turn.
0: Oh, thank <laughs> <laughs>
1: Mm. Oh,
0: it's pretty sharp But then I guess that figures What would you say about the blueberry? I'd say it's pretty good What would you say about internal discipline?
1: I would say that only when the motor's running perfectly Do you set out on your journey And how is our motor running? It's ready to go, sir
0: I, I need someone I need someone I can trust absolutely to help keep that motor in good shape. I think you have the skills and the ability to do that job.
1: Are you asking me to forget about my law practice? Yes, I guess I am. Well, I always thought that if I opened my own office, I wouldn't need to start by being the junior partner. Clyde, everybody is a junior to somebody. Not
0: you, sir. You answer to nobody. I answer to the attorney general, to
1: the president. Yes. Yes, I would very much like to work with you. Speed. Thank you. Junior. More ice cream? (laughs) (laughs) Thank you, Junior. More ice cream? Well, that's how it is sometimes, I guess. You meet someone and you know you're going to be friends for a long time. Well, at least until one of you isn't around anymore. And it was kind of scary because... Because we just got on. Like, we... We just fit together somehow. Sitting there with a, a scoop of blueberry ice cream melting on my tongue. It was an exhilarating moment. I I, I knew... I was lucky. I knew I was going to be part of something special right at the center of things in the greatest country in the world in its finest times. Speed used to laugh at that kind of nonsense, he called. it. Come on, Junior, you're being fanciful again. Button down that collar. You won't catch any desperados that way. Well, not that I caught many. Anyway... They used to call me, uh, some of the boys, they called me Slugger Tolson because the only time I was ever in on an arrest, I got confused and slugged one of our own guys. I wasn't a field agent, you see. That, that wasn't my job. Keep the engine in good operating condition so the automobile ran when you needed it. That was my job. Anyway, um, a few months later, after I moved back to Washington and became special assistant to the director, I had uh, I had a photograph taken and uh... well here is to you
0: Clyde you have come a long way in a short time but I think I can say that I can hardly recall a single case where a man has risen solely on merit with such rapidity
1: well, thank you speed i uh, appreciate your confidence I, I only hope i can live up to your expectations oh, no
0: doubt of that junior no <laughs> doubt of it i um
1: I had a portrait taken. I guess this is as good a time as any to present it to you. With, um, with all the... Well, I, I, I guess you know. Oh, thank you. To my best friend,
0: speed. With affectionate regards. Clyde A. Tolson. That's... Uh, I would
1: like... It's a fine picture, thank you. Well, I suppose I, I, I wanted to say... Uh, how, how much it means to me. I, I think me
0: this uh, calls for another drink, Junior. Why don't you go over and order us up a couple of very dry martinis? Huh? <laughs> Coming up.
1: Thank you. They want the files, the personal and confidential files. Nixon's men. They figured there must be so much dirt in there that using them could keep him in office till the next century. As soon as they heard he was dead, they were were there. Patrick L. Gray III, the president's man, goes waltzing into the director's office and demands the the secret files. (laughs) Miss Gandy was there. Told him straight. There are no secret files. Gray yells, I'm a hard-headed Irishman and no one pushes me around. Miss Gandy says, there are no secret files. And Gray screams, don't give me that bullshit. Everyone knows Hoover built up whole filing cabinets of stuff that was so hot no one dared touch him. Personal stuff on everybody in Washington since 1924. Now, Miss Gandy says, there are no secret files. She might as well have said there is only me, Helen Gandy. There is only Clyde Tolson... There are no sacred files anymore. There are only memories. She might have, but she didn't. We destroyed those damned personal confidential files, Miss Gandy and I. We shredded them, and we burned them, and we saw their smoke. We breathed them in the absolute breath of secrecy, and I guess that was somehow appropriate. We'd been doing it most of our lives. Secrets. Secrets. Edgar once said, there's something addicting about a secret. And I guess that was the real business back then in the second half of the 30s. I'm putting
0: all my eggs in water. You turn that off, God. Hmm? Oh, sure. Want a drink? <clears throat> I guess I need one, a large one.
1: What's the problem, Speed? You think there's a problem? <laughs> I know there is. I can read you.
0: Nobody can read me. Just give me the drink. will <laughs> You saw Roosevelt? I see Roosevelt twice a week, three times a week. So what, Junior?
1: Well, I can't help if you don't tell me these things.
0: Mm, He called me six months ago. He wanted to know two things. One, in the event of war, how great a threat are the American Communist and Fascist parties? Two, were there any movements in this country which could conceivably make problems for him and his foreign policy? Mm -hmm. I delivered my report last week. And? I stated that the Communist Party of the U.S. could at any time disrupt shipping, mining, newspapers... The fascists aren't as strong yet, but they have considerable power through the local German
1: bunds. And they sit around and eat their schlagabers and chat about what a good job Mr. Hitler's doing back home. Then one day the phone rings, and uh, I wonder if you could do us a small favor.
0: Actually, that sort of thing, nothing exceptional. Yet. And there's some other stuff about the peace movement, isolationists. Hmm? No, he told me, I swear, oh... Colonel Lindbergh is as big a Nazi as Adolf Hitler. And we (laughs) laughed about that because it's true. And then he says, Edgar, I need to know about these people. All of them. Right across the spectrum. Right to left. Fascist to conservative. Liberal to communist. You know the way he talks. Mm. He's got it all worked out and rehearsed in his head already.
1: Well, that's way beyond anything we have a mandate for in the Bureau. I don't
0: know that. I wrote the damn thing.
1: So you told him... uh, Sorry, Mr. President, we can't do this. I told him. Cindy? Cindy?
0: Too damn much noise. Let us. It's all going downhill. What is? The area. Never used to be so many...
1: Negroes? Times change, places change. Well,
0: I don't like that i like my own things to stay the same. I told him we can do it. No, we can't. Yes, we can. There is a clause in our appropriation. If the Department of State should specifically ask for us to conduct such an investigation, we can do so under our present authority.
1: And is that what he did? He asked you to do that.
0: Well, he called me over on Thursday. He had Cordell Hull sitting with him. He told him what I needed, a direct request from the State Department, and Hull grins at me across the room and says, Sure, go ahead and investigate the sons of bitches. For a reason. To bring a case to court? No, oh, no, no. You know we couldn't do that, Junior.
1: To gather information on people who might one day be enemies of the state? Aha. Uh-huh.
0: Roosevelt is convinced there's going to be a war. Oh, but there isn't one right now. Not right now, Speed. But this would give us an awful lot of room to maneuver. You
1: mean to investigate anyone we choose, any time we choose. (laughs) thinking about that, there's nothing we couldn't find out that might be considered not our business. Everything is our business if it's a threat. To whom, Speed? The country of the president?
0: At certain times in history, they become one and the same.
1: And who makes that judgment?
0: I have never been afraid to act when I consider the situation warranted it. There are, as of now, almost 3,000 individuals actively engaged in communist or fascist activities in this country.
1: And what about those who don't want to take this country into a European war? What about them? Are they enemies of the people, too? Or just enemies of the president.
0: Leadership requires the courage to make decisions.
1: Well, you're certainly doing that on a monumental scale. Yes, and what
0: are you doing right we now, can't Junior?
1: Sleepwalk our way through this. I'm concerned.
0: What are you concerned about? You don't we look after you enough in the bureau? You know how much I depend on you. To keep reminding you that you are mortal. No. To share an ice cream soda with me. To keep the engine running.
1: Who pays for the gas on this particular
0: journey? Well, that's why I need you. That, too, has always, climbed. We
1: can't go to Congress, Speed. The liberals and the isolationists would kill a stone dead.
0: A good percentage of everything the president is planning in case of war is under the table. How do we pay for the
1: original report?
0: Not normal appropriation.
1: So nothing shows up untoward. In which case, why don't nothing. we regard this as a continuation of that? With the added authority of the Secretary of State's request. That would do it. Unless and until,
0: Until? well,
1: someone finds out and asks you to, to, to see your authority for spying on anyone the president considers a threat.
0: Yes, yes, that particular buck stops right about here at the level of my throat, and I don't like the feeling, not one little bit.
1: Then why are we doing it? Because it would give
0: the Bureau the tools it needs to do its job in the years ahead.
1: And if the people find
0: out? The people will find out. It's only a question of when and what has happened in the meantime. What this would give us is autonomy. I learned a long time ago never to work for anyone who does not have the political power to back your actions to the limit. Roosevelt has that power. I'm taking the biggest chance of my life. Yes, of the Bureau's existence, that he will continue to have and hold that authority, and that he will, I hope and pray, pass it on to me.
1: Oh, but he knew. He knew that in the end, if he could keep his nerve... He could use a world war to what was it his father used to say? Oh yeah. To redraw the borders around America. His America.
0: Uh, Miss Gandhi, when Assistant Director Tolson arrives, will you send him right in, please? Thank you. Come in, Gryde. Yes, take a seat. I'd like you to listen to something. Of course. Dear Edgar... (sighs) I would like to thank you for the many interesting and valuable reports that you have made to me regarding the fast moving situations of the last few months. You have done and are doing a wonderful job, and I want you to know of my gratification (laughs) and appreciation. It is signed Franklin Roosevelt.
1: That's four years, Speed, that's a long time to hold a poker hand, especially when you're bluffing. I have written back (laughs) thanking him, obviously. And now anyone calls, you can lay down your hand, pick up the pot, and walk away a winner. Congratulations.
0: Thank you, Junior. Perhaps we should call it a day and go out for dinner.
1: A small celebration. Well, we could use a night off. You want me to book?
0: Yes, Miss Candy. What
1: would
0: you say? Thank you, Miss Candy. What is it? Mother. It's mother. She always used to keep the blinds pulled. She knew I didn't like
1: it. It was a fine funeral speed.
0: Didn't like to let the sun in. Fade the furniture, she said. She said it would fade the furniture. I told her, Mother, we can buy more. But she... She was careful. You see, Junior, she she had to be after my father was, was ill. He, he was ill, you know.
1: Yes, I know. Another drink?
0: Yeah. She never quite liked me drinking, but she never said so. Whiskey. Men drink whiskey, so her Edgar would... I drink whiskey because, after all, he was the man of the house, and there were certain proprieties. Thanks. It's not easy without a father in the family. It was
1: quite late, wasn't it? You were in college.
0: What we are, what America is, how it has been made, how Americans have grown. Do you, do you see, Junior... The family, the family, the school, the church. But the family first, that's where it all starts. Well, give me another way.
1: You sure, Speed? It's it's been a long day. It's been a long day. I'm okay. The child
0: is formed in the home. And if there is no proper authority, yes, there... There must be affection, but authority also because we are... S- without authority there is nothing, no structure, nowhere to go, no aim that a
1: man or a society can have. She... Annie, Annie was... I always had great respect for her speed. She, she ran a tight household. She could have run the bureau. I, I guess pretty much as you do. When oh, the home fails. There's
0: going to be a war, Junior. The president thinks so. I agree with him. Americans fit to fight a war. Haven't they forgotten the home? The church, the responsibilities. Hmm? What mother used to call your duties, digging the garden. I never liked to dig, but I did. There were other things to do, but I did not do them. There is a duty. And Americans have have forgotten all about that. They've become soft and compromising. If a thing is not convenient, don't don't bother. Forget it. Go out and have fun. If a belief becomes old-fashioned, hard to justify, inconvenient, just... (sighs) Mm. This house. (sighs) Empty now. You can walk around it and... It used to be her house. And now it's nobody's house. Oh, you know, she... She caught on fire one time. She caught on fire in the kitchen. Who, Annie? Yeah, I wrote about it in uh, the Weekly Review, editor and proprietor, J.E. Hoover. Another... You I I recorded everything that went on. I was just a little two sheeter but it had everything in it. The, the rules of the Good Health Club, yes. Eat slowly. Don't eat adulterated food. Don't eat too much. Don't eat between meals. Clean your teeth. <laughs> I thought I'd
1: forgotten it. Hmm. Forgotten it. Well you still follow it. <laughs> Inconsolable
0: sadness, that's what the doctor wrote on his death. What the hell do you think that meant? Junior
1: Melancholia. Depression. It's possible that your father, only had- the
0: strong shall thrive, surely the weak shall perish, and only the fit
1: survive. Well, these things are often a disease Steve. it's It's no more a man's fault. That if he catches a cold or or breaks a leg... Not our fault. And yet, we can still die of disease.
0: Mm. It's getting dark out there. You want
1: me to turn the light on? Oh, no, no,
0: no. There's nothing to see anymore.
1: Will you move now?
0: I have no reason to stay here. She's gone. She used to uh, cook... My breakfast, toast, coffee, two soft boiled eggs, dogs ate them most times, but every morning it 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 was the cons- it was consistency you see they, they they don't understand any of them what I feel about communism. there is no God under communism, and with no God, there is no authority in the house. Every great disaster of the last 50 years, every small crime has happened. Why? Because men and women will not follow lawful authority. We need God's leadership as we need the leadership of the president, of the teacher, the priest, parent, father. And don't you see each of us has a sacred responsibility, not ...to betray that trust. That's why it is so important. What is? What we have won from the president. The chance to seek out the moral weakness... ...of those who would exercise leadership. Because where the roots are rotten... ...the tree
1: and the fruit of the tree will be rotten also. Bowl of blinds down, Junior. It'll be awful dark in here, Speed, if I do.
0: It'll be light enough. Without light, or without law, there will be moral degeneracy. Each will be able to do whatever he wants, and there will be no decency. And without decency, moral decency, there will be crime. Because as animals must breathe, then man must sin. Give me another.
1: Oh, speed, I think we should...
0: go uh... the finest thing a father can do is teach his son, rear him, be a companion, a friend. friend. And I have no son. And I have no father. And
1: now I have no mother. You have a friend. Sometime after that night, I got my annual service report from him at the conclusion it said words are mere man-given symbols for thoughts and feelings and they are grossly insufficient to express the thoughts in my mind and the feelings in my heart that I have for you no one knows better than I the invaluable assistance you have been to the Bureau and to me personally as its director You have indeed been a a true friend as well as a loyal associate. I hope I will always have you beside me. He wrote that to me. But you see, he couldn't say it. He could not look at me and say those words. On the whole, we had a good war there was the uh, slight embarrassment of uh, Pearl Harbor. Should we have known, did we know? Uh, Things were kind of confusing for all of us at that time. But on the whole, the the country pulled together and speed. He, He just worked and worked and worked. That was his life most of the time. The 50s. Eisenhower. Oh, that was a good time for us. Speed used to say the Eisenhower years were the best and the happiest years we ever had. <laughs> and he was right. He'd moved to within a block of where I was living. Uh, we rode into work together, and we lunched together, ate most evenings at each other's houses, had some good vacations with some good friends. I, I guess the thing about good times is there's nothing to remember, nothing that upsets the smooth progress of day after day after of, Being together, doing the kind of things friends do, walking the dog. Yeah, yes, it was the years of walking the dog, the years when America walked the dog and and painted the front porch and and watched the honeymooners and your show of shows and uh, and listened to uh, Irving Berlin. It's a long then things changed shouldn't have happened the way it did granted but speed was getting older hell we all were i was out sick a lot too much and i wasn't there for it
0: eight years from now america will celebrate its 200th anniversary as a nation and within the lifetime of most people now living mankind will celebrate that great new year which comes only once in a thousand years, the beginning of the third millennium. What kind of a nation we will be, what kind of a world we will live in, whether we shape the future in the image of our hope is ours is to determine by our actions and our choices.
1: Richard Nixon. They should have been friends. It was a goddamned irony, really, because Nixon, the younger of the two, by years, hadn't grown up and speed. Oh, he could see which way the wind blew. Only he didn't have the strength anymore to stand there in the storm.
0: He doesn't understand,
1: this president.
0: I told him. I told them over at the CIA. The people won't stand for it any longer.
1: What does he want
0: these radicals these these students these these, these protesters it's, it's everywhere, right here in Washington Dick Nixon's right about that. the press, all of these people, radicals, these Kent state people, they invited and they got what
1: they deserved what they got was killed four of them they didn't deserve that. <sighs> all gone to hell
0: and there's not that's what he can't understand there's nothing he can do about it he'll bring us out of vietnam uh, if he can stop the leaks maybe now what does he want from us he wants the same thing roosevelt got that ike got he asked me to institute a new domestic intelligence strike against those those, those, those people he's putting together a committee us cia naval intelligence nsa Defense Department, you name it. He stood there, Junior. He stood there and he told us what a lot of clowns we were because we didn't give him enough good, hard intelligence on the whole
1: anti-war movement out there. It seems to me the whole damn country wants our boys out of that place. Well done, Junior. You finally made it. Where? Way back to where we started. May nineteen twenty eight. Huh? huh? Where we started? Me and the No no, me and the Bureau. That's what I learned in those first
0: years. In the end, whatever you do, if you do it with or for others, it will become public. So if you have to work with them, be sure that you have the loyalty of your judges. And who judges the FBI? The people. Do, Junior, whether they are healthy or sick, they alone judge. And what Nixon cannot understand is that they will no longer accept the kind of domestic intelligence gathering that went on under Eisenhower or or Kennedy or even under LBJ. Times change. God knows I don't like it. I don't understand these times. But they are the ones we have to live in, and I will not sacrifice the FBI to Nixon's blindness.
1: No, they're not going to let you walk away. He's the president.
0: You're his man. That's what they want the most, for me to walk away. I'm 77 years old, should have retired 12 years ago. They want me out, and they want to come in here and open these files, personal and confidential. That's what they want, all the secrets. They want to own them
1: and when they know the meaning
0: of the secrets.
1: I'd been off sick. Uh, couldn't follow a lot of what happened after that. He managed to defuse the committee, but they, uh, they kept coming after him, and I, I guess the last straw, they, uh, they, they wanted the FBI labs to lie about some memo, some dirty little money-making plot they were all involved with over there in the uh, Oval Office. Just do this one for us, my friend, Edgar. I was at home. It was late. I I guess after midnight sometime. I couldn't sleep. I don't much anymore. He called. Junior. Yes. Yes, I'm here, Speed. What is it?
0: The president just called me. He told me. He told me I should go.
1: He fired you? No.
0: Oh, he said it was time and an honorable retirement.
1: Um, well, they've said these things before, Speed. Bobby Kennedy that said... That was then. This is now. What are you going to do?
0: I'm tired, Junior. I'm tired, but I
1: can't let go. Why not? Uh, walk away. What does it matter? We can, we can Damn it, Speed. We can be together. Junior, we'll
0: talk in the morning. I'm, I'm tired.
1: Speed. In the morning. Speed. They were his last words to me. To anyone. The Files, you know about the Files, and J. Edgar Hoover, the nation's number one G-man. Well, I guess you know about him now, as much as anybody ever did, which, to tell the truth, wasn't one hell of a lot. We were together just about every day for damn near 50 years, he and I. And if I loved him and uh, I'm, I'm not ashamed to say I did. Then I still don't know what he truly felt about me. I guess there are some things a man like Speed just didn't care to discuss. Stuff to clear up. Nixon and his men. His plumbers sitting there in the White House, surrounded by a nation they despise and, and to whom they owe no loyalty, sending an errand boy across to run to... to betray the FBI. OK. Listen. In J.
0: Edgar Hoover, Private and Confidential, by Mike Walker... J. Edgar Hoover was played by William Hootkins and Clyde Tolson by David Soule. The director was Ned Shia. Thank you for listening, and don't forget to join us tomorrow for yet another amazing story.